Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everybody. We have, uh, I'm Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. We have a lot to talk about today. We uh, Ole Miss dominated Georgia Tech 42-0, to zero, and we'll be playing Tulsa, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, right? Isn't it? They're not the they're not plural hurricanes, right? I think, according to my trivia brain, that is correct. Okay, uh, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane uh, this Saturday, uh, in what should be a, a at least as well. This is like a funny way to put it. At least the strongest a test as Georgia Tech was. Uh, which didn't end up being a test, but seemingly a, a bigger test. Um, but let's let's talk about Georgia Tech first. Uh, Forty-two to zero. Obviously, a lot of things went right, and only a few things went wrong, which is which is cool. Um, but I think that, as always, we'll start with the passing offense. Uh, this is fun to talk about. It was one of the things that started off going not right. Yeah, um, Dart took a little bit of time to settle in, but I mean, he he had a couple of good throws sprinkled in throughout the entire game. Um, I think we saw a relatively early nice throw to Jordan Watkins, um, kind of one that he floated to space um, in a zone. It looked like, um, but yeah, had a really ugly interception in the the second half. It wasn't. <sighs> as obvious of a bad interception as the first one that he threw against Troy, I guess, but just the situation that he was in kind of scrambling, having a throw against his body. Like that's a, a situation you need to be able to avoid. Um, and yeah, it was, it was third down. I mean, it was sort of puntish. Uh, I mean, it was, it wasn't exactly like, it's not like he threw, you know, 40 yards down the field or something like that, but you know, it wasn't first and 10 at, at the Ole Miss 20 or something. Um, oh, I, sorry to interrupt also, but uh, we didn't say what we're drinking because we're we're not drinking because it's 12.26 Central time. Uh, but um, I did want to say that I, I recently went to a mescaleria, uh, and, which is a, a name for a, a bar that serves mostly mezcal cocktails. Uh, and yeah, I, this is actually my first time going to one. Uh, I live in Austin, so there, there are a bunch, but I'll definitely go back. I, I like a mezcal cocktail and I know a lot of people say mezcal, but, uh, that's just wrong. It is for some reason, mezcal is like weird to say, but it is the correct way, I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, love love a good mezcal. It's it's I don't know in a cocktail it almost like can confuse you with like scotch because mm. uh, of the, the smoke uh, involved in it. Um, so that's cool. Um, a thing I had to drink recently. I polished off a bottle of Maker's Mark Cask Strength that I got from the distillery in what Frankfurt or wherever Maker's is. Um, but yeah, what is their cask strength? What what is that? Uh, what proof is that? Oh, it's high. I don't know. 120 or something like that. It's, it's good. Very, yeah. A lot of burn, but yeah, a very, very tasty whiskey. So yeah. Yeah. It looks like it is, yeah. 109 proof. So 54. That's uh that's significant. 
Mm-hmm. Well, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So sorry to interrupt. Let's actually talk about the football game again. Um, yeah, I, I thought that Jackson Dart was very good in the third quarter. He, you know, uh, he's, he finished 10 of 16 after starting four of nine with a pick. 10 of 16 for 207. His QBR was actually 77.1, which is fine. It's slightly below Matt Corral's season QBR of last season, which I think was around 82. Um, so certainly, you know, he, he did good things at times. I, I think that he... I'm waiting for I'm waiting to see a game where we can see that he took the step and is now uh you know making better decisions. Um and I I don't necessarily mean picks like he didn't throw a lot of pickable balls uh in the game but there were still just a ton of times and I hate to talk about this over and over again but there were just so many times that there was somebody open for an easy 5 yards and he would go for somebody, you know, 20 yards down the field and you know sometimes it worked really well but sometimes it didn't and i just think that with the playmakers Ole miss has if you can get him the ball in space for guaranteed five yard gains i think you got to take that absolutely and you wonder if maybe or i wonder if it might have something to do with the level of competition whether um you know, facing some tougher defenses who who shut down some of those things, who give you a little less time with the ball, uh, will kind of force him into making those those quicker reads and those dump offs and things like that. Um, <laughs> not ideal, but I think that's something we could see with maybe some some growing pains involved. Yeah, well, I mean, while we're talking about that, the the offensive line continues to be pretty porous in pass defense or pass. Gosh pass blocking um and you know they they it's not like dart went down a lot i think he was only sacked once which was the time when he sort of tried to get rid of it in a weird way and then ultimately they ruled him down but he doesn't have a lot of time and his throwing motion is so long that it's kind of concerning for when you know we do reach sec play and there are some of the de- defensive linemen that we see in the conference. I just think that there are going to be some eye-opening games in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely still a concern. I think offensive line is a position that can improve a lot over the course of the season. Uh, I'm not writing them off because I think individually they have the talent. Um, but but yeah, it it may take a game or two of getting whipped uh in that department yeah uh i hate to jump around so much but so luke altmeyer played sparingly he played one snap in the first quarter the first half which was when jackson dart's helmet came off and then he played some in the the second half once the game was well out of reach that's luke altmeyer's third game playing so he's played in all three games he is a true sophomore because by playing in last season's bowl game, he forfeited his red shirt year because that was his fifth game to play. So if he's lost the job, he can play in one more game and still red shirt. And that could put Ole Miss in a really weird spot 
where, you know, if Dark gets hurt at some point, then Luke Altmaier comes in in that game, probably, unless he plays against Tulsa, and then that's his fourth game. Uh, but let's say that, you know, he doesn't play against Tulsa. Let's say that it's, you know, clear Jackson Dart is the winner of the job. Uh, then, you know, Jackson Dart has some sort of injury happen later. Luke Altmaier probably finishes that game out because he gives us the best chance to to win. Uh, but then Kincaid Dent starts the next week if uh, if Jackson Dart's still injured. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a... It could become a really sticky situation to navigate because even if you try to do Altmaier the kind of courtesy of not just blowing this year of eligibility, what kind of message does that send? You know, does does yeah. that create some weird optic? Um, <laughs> well, and it would be very reasonable for him to refuse, right? I mean, he yeah. he was all set to redshirt last year, and then he came in and you know tried to help Ole Miss win the Sugar Bowl. That did not go well, but uh, you know now he s- seems to have lost the job, but keeps playing in games, <laughs> and is running out of the opportunity to redshirt again. I, I can't imagine that he wants to blow a redshirt year as a non-starter and transfer somewhere with only, you know, as a true junior. Yeah. Uh, that's not, I mean, that's not the worst situation. I don't know that. I don't know. I think it, with with being able to play immediately upon transferring, not having to sit out a year, it creates a lot better situation. So, again, I think it's a little bit awkward, but I'm, I am very curious to see how that situation plays out. Um, and it would kind of be interesting to see a little bit more of Kincaid Dent too. Um, you know, he's been praised quite a bit for a third string quarterback by, by Lane Kiffin. So it'd be interesting to see if he actually has some, uh, mojo when he's in an actual game. Right. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's move on to receivers because I, I do think there were some interesting things that happened at that position. Um, and nothing necessarily all that unexpected, but uh, Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo both had strong performances, not like over the top crazy performances, but you know did did quite well. I think that it's clear, and I know this makes sense because they're both starters on the outside, but it's clear that those are the two guys on the outside, and there's not a rotate things around to try to figure stuff out like those are the guys Jonathan Mingo is finally starting to look like the player he's been hyped to be for the last three years in my opinion I think that he uh, in these first three games has really at times dominated his defenders and looks like a physical big guy who can make things happen and that's what Ole Miss needs yeah absolutely I think yeah, Heath and Mingo have both looked really good at times. Like you said, neither is is going to be you know a superstar first team all conference, but but Mingo definitely has some big play ability that he's shown, um, and and Heath has he's been pretty consistent with his production. I, I kind of saw both as being boomer bust guys, but mm-hmm. 
they're both like very solid and you're right. Yeah. Every other receiver that has made it into the rotation uh, in a significant way. Um, Jalen Robinson. Um, oh geez. Dayton Wade and uh, JJ Henry and Jordan Watkins. Uh, Jordan Watkins was seemingly the, the third guy in terms of snaps um, against Georgia tech. So all those guys are, are pretty much, slot players like maybe they do rotate on the outside some but that's not their skill set and body type so yeah we have really two guys playing those roles and and no one else has has done much outside at all no yeah um yeah i I think that that position is getting clearer um just overall like slot and on the outside like you said and we're starting to see kind of who the actual major players there are. It It is in, interesting to me that uh, no Lane Kiffin recruited high school players. Well, actually, J.J. Henry. I take that back. J.J. Henry is uh, is playing a good bit, and he didn't have a didn't do anything, really, against Georgia Tech, but has run a lot of routes this year and I think looks good at times. So never mind. I'm not going to criticize Lane Kiffin's uh high school recruiting yet uh the running game it's funny like we're so far in and we haven't talked about the running game which had 316 yards and six touchdowns uh i i mean (laughs) zach evans as much as you can have a breakout game against a an average defense if or even that uh he had a breakout game he had 18 carries for 134 yards and the two touchdowns. So that's a 7.4 yard per carry average. And he was bottled up uh, not all that infrequently for like very short gains. Uh, but that just made his chunk yardage plays even more, you know, exciting to watch. I think that this is when we first saw like, oh, this dude, this is who he could be. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think we, we knew that was going to come out at some point and yeah, he looked really, really electric at times, turning, you know, you get an idea of what a running back is going to get out of a certain run, and he exceeds that a fair amount of the time <laughs> Yeah, in, in exciting ways. So, so that's oh, yeah. cool. Um, I, I will say he, he had two drops on the day uh, on, I, I don't know, drop is a weird word, balls that were not perfect to him but were definitely catchable that he did not catch. Um, and certainly with a guy as dynamic as him, you hope that he's able, we're able to utilize him in the passing game more. Absolutely. Um, but you know, that's an, an area where Ulysses Bentley could potentially see some more snaps right. to in, in games where we're in really obvious passing situations. I could see him cracking the lineup more, but you know, we haven't had any situations like that. It makes me wonder if that could be something that that happens because you know he's really good. He's very quick. He appears you know pretty versatile. Um, be cool to see more of him. But we just have these two absolute monsters ahead of him. Um, yeah, Quinchon Judkins. I, I said this in the post game, but I'll say it here. Uh, I think he he had a very good game, but I think this was the first game that wasn't like uh, I think in the. In the article, I said like uh, a grown man playing middle school private middle private school football. Um, 
Because I, I do think that this was the first game where it wasn't just like silly how he trucked everybody and uh, stiff-armed guys. I mean, he still did that, but it wasn't just like every run was dominant and incredible and super fun to watch. There was a lot of, you know, more normal types of plays you would expect from a good running back, but not someone who is like already a first round NFL talent or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting question. Do you think you'll get some hype for like SEC freshman of the year or something like that? Uh, at his current, you know, production. I mean, at his current pace, probably. I, well, I say that, like, I don't know. I don't know what other SEC freshmen are doing right now. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't think of SEC freshmen who are having the level of production he is, but you know, I don't follow Vandy and that sort of stuff. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think that he's a player that Ole Miss is going to need to fight to hold on to in the off season. And I don't know anything personally. I'm not like saying that I've heard he's going to transfer or something like that at all. This is just speculation totally on my part. He's from Alabama and appears to be dominant. I think that, you know, Auburn's going to have a new coach, probably. And, of course, Alabama would always like to have a dominant running back. So, yeah, I think there are going to be some suitors. And Ole Miss needs to be willing to do some NIL. Yeah, absolutely. And they have something pretty big rolled out for him. And... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the portal, I've said this before, the the portal, we, we like it because it's swung our way uh, almost exclusively and that won't always be the case. So no, No. uh, uh, yeah, you you hope you can figure out a way to hang on to guys like that. Yeah. Uh, Okay. We talked a little bit about the offensive line. I do think that in the run game, they did fine. a lot of the running game did seem to be like just great play from Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, it wasn't just like consistently the line pushing everybody back and, you know, making it super easy, but they did open holes. Uh, and at times Georgia tech tried to do some run blitzes that when it was an obvious time we were going to run, uh, they worked, but, the offensive line did a good job sniffing that out for the most part and made it happen. I don't want to make it sound like on the podcast, like I hate the offensive line. That's not the case. I just think that I expected them to be better than they are. Overall. I I do still think there's time, like I said. Um, And I did, I did notice some exceptional individual play from Nick Broker. They, you know, announcers pointed it out a couple times and he also won sec offensive lineman of the week. Um, and yeah, we did see a couple of specific plays where he just blew a defensive lineman apart, uh, on a block and yeah, you, you love to see it. (laughs) So that's what we expected. He's, you could tell even as a left tackle that, that his ability to like pursue and finish blocks with like a vengeance was, was really impressive. And, and I think he's maybe getting a little more comfortable in that. Yeah. Let's move on to the defense because they were, they were good. I'm really excited about that. I mean, we we thought the defense was going to be good and deep, and we saw a lot of good things in the first two games. But I think because of the kind of lack of competition, 
we couldn't really tell what a whole game effort by the defense was going to look like, but this was a whole game effort. And I know Georgia Tech is kind of uh, not super well coached on, on offense right now. They didn't, uh, but what, they have more talent than, yeah. than Troy. You know, they had enough talent to score against a good defense, but only they're, just, they're a below average power five offense. Yeah. And Ole Miss displayed a lot of discipline, a lot of focus. The very few big plays they had, I thought the Ole Miss defense was still in position. Uh, I can think of one play in particular. It was really their only big pass play of the game. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, a deep out to the sidelines. Um, and the receiver made an amazing diving catch and like inches away from deflecting the ball anyway was Miles Battle, who was just all yeah. over it and there's nothing he could do. Um, and it was also lot- like... Yeah. A bad throw. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it was one of those things where, like, sometimes there's just a weird thing that happens and a team completes a pass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it was low. Like, the receiver had to sort of, like, come back towards it and make a diving catch. Like, that's no testament at all to Miles Battle. He was all over it. Yeah. And just in general, saw so many good run fits so many good like individual and team efforts to to bottle up ball carriers ton of sacks from a lot of different guys uh damon Clowney and jj hawkins guys that we rarely see out there uh both had really you know highlight sacks uh oh yeah this was incredibly powerful uh and then jj hawkins made uh you know kind of a running shoestring sack to uh end a, a series um both super cool to see those guys out there making, making big plays. Um, but yeah, great, like full game effort by the defense. Oh yeah. Look, the longest run was 13 yards. That was by Jeff Sims. Uh, the, then the second longest was 12 and then, you know, lower. And then the longest pass was 38. That's the play we're talking about. Second longest was 15. So, um, you know, the, the defense did a great job stopping the big play from happening, obviously by allowing zero points Um, with the sacks factored in Georgia tech averaged 1.6 yards per carry on the day. Uh, I, I don't have the number of the overall Georgia tech running game without the sacks, but if we take out the sacks and take out Jeff Sims's long of 13, he averaged 3.7 yards per carry, which like uh, a quarterback that averages a running quarterback that averages 3.7 yards per carry, you will hundred percent take that. You know, the quarterback is typically going to scramble in situations where, uh, you know, the defense is like so far back that they can easily pick uh, up yard chunk yardage because they've rolled out and kind of put the defense in a weird situation. That was not the case. I mean, the, the defense was all over it. They were in position. They didn't lose contain. I, Something that I have here in the show notes, um, I think that this defense is really especially fun because there is not that one or two players that are just having a spectacular season overall. Like, um, you know, last year, Sam Williams was just a wrecking ball. And uh, I guess Chance Campbell was also, you know, so good. Um we can think back to when like Patrick Willis was at Ole Miss and you know, the Ole Miss defense was bad, but he was spectacular and Ole Miss, Ole Miss doesn't appear to have 
that one statistically dominant player on the team right now. Um, that's not to say that it doesn't have dominant players, but that one player that just like takes over and, you know, everyone else kind of like falls to the wayside. Uh, and I think that that is actually a testament to the depth. Like, so Tysheem Johnson and Troy Brown are tied for the team lead in tackles with not 19 through three games. Um, there's like very few picks on the, on the season. I think there are two picks, Miles Battle and Aishim Young so far. Uh, forced fumbles have mostly been the blocked uh, blocked punts, although I think there were maybe two more last year last week against Central Arkansas. Uh, but this this defense is not a big play defense, which I actually thought they'd be uh, so far because they you know Chris Partridge has expressed an interest in blitzing a lot and. I think they have the players who can make big hits and all that. Um, so they're not that big play defense. They're also not a bend but don't break. They're like a don't bend kind of defense, um, which is uncommon in modern college football. Um, and three bad offenses will kind of see first against Tulsa, but then more against Kentucky, et cetera, how that works out. But so far, like this defense doesn't even have the defensive lapses that you would expect that previous good Ole Miss defenses have had occasionally in games like this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, they, they show signs of being really well coached and, you know, pretty smart and pretty deep. Um, I think as the season bears on and we do play some better teams, we will see a little bit more of that, you know, big play dynamic, a little bit more of that bend, but don't break dynamic, you know, they'll have to respond yeah. to much oh, better yeah. competition. And, and I think that will lead to, you know, having some big plays against them, but also, you know, creating some more turnovers and, you know, there's just kind of the nature of like a, a big sec mashup versus kind of a blowout. Um, yeah. So we'll see some of that. Uh, another cool note that I have, 29 different players were credited with tackles in the Georgia Tech game, uh, which is a testament to how many guys got playing time and still the defense locked down. Um, yeah. Juco wrote down in the, the notes, uh, Jalen White, um, freshman linebacker who, you know, really more of a, a big safety, 6'4", 205, had, had yeah. four tackles, uh, one of the leading tacklers in the game. Uh, did you notice anything about him individually? I kind of was surprised to see that on the box score. Uh, I mean, I, I, not in a standout way. Like they said his name and I was like, oh, tri oh, Trip White. Uh, and then it's like, oh, that's Jalen White, the safety who signed with us. But he actually played some linebacker in the game. Um, and he's certainly tall enough for linebacker, 6'4", but 205, like, that won't necessarily hold up long term, but if they're you know building him into a linebacker, then it's cool that he got to play a lot and got four tackles. I mean, I don't expect him to suddenly be a significant contributor going forward or something like that. Um, but I think that in games like this, as they get into the super blowout fashion, what you want to see is who are the third stringish types of players who are still holding it together. And obviously they did because they didn't give any, up any points. Yeah, absolutely. 
So if you'll notice looking at the box score, Kari Coleman only had one tackle, and I think it is because he left with injury. Um, now, I'm hearing that it's not major, but I don't know that he'll play next week. Um, maybe more precautionary, but it'll be interesting to see what that linebacker rotation looks like because it's been four guys, and really, you know, the bulk of the snaps have been Troy Brown and Kari Coleman, and then um, Austin Keys gets in there a good bit, and then um, a shiny Sistrunk has been maybe a distant fourth, hard to, hard to tell for sure. Um, but yeah, like, are they going to roll with three guys or is someone like Trip White or Reginald Hughes, um, going to start you know, rotating in a good bit more? Cause that seems like that's a tough, it's a tough ask, like playing three guys at, at two starting positions at linebacker for, you know, 95% of a game. Yeah. I mean, luckily we'll get to this, but I don't expect the Tulsa game to be much of a game, uh, either. Um, but there are some pieces of their offense that are you that are unique so far through the season uh, that Ole Miss hasn't seen. Um, yeah, I think that linebacker is still a you know weird spot. Uh, but Kari Coleman, assuming that it's not a multi-week type of thing, uh, it's not a not a big concern on on my side. Um. Yeah, I I just think that this defense is deep, and it's. <laughs> I always think it's funny when people say things like, "the best defense top to bottom," because what that usually means is like, actually not top. Uh, it usually means like the starters are bad, but there are also you know, roughly equivalent players who are second stringers. Um, I think that this defense is like is at a point where its second string is quite viable at almost every position yeah it's a level of depth that we haven't really seen even on good oldness teams what this year kind of reminds me of is like an sec west team like an lsu or an auburn in kind of an average year for them talent wise. Uh, on defense. I, yeah. Yeah. That is to say a very high level of talent. Uh, right. <laughs> and we also yeah, just like tons of, un, un, tons of underperforming five-star players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of talent and a fair amount of experience and, and good coaching. And yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a fun season on defense. Uh, if you know, people say healthy. I do too. So who's your player of the game? Ooh, play the game. I think you got to go Zach Evans. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear almost to a point where that's a boring pick, but that's who I'm going with. <laughs> it's okay to make a boring pick. I mean, he was he was amazing. I, yeah, I'd say the same thing. And so, you know, usually we also say transfer of the game. But the, like, like last week, it was easy to, to make the Michael Trigg for both kind of thing. I think that this week it's easy to choose Zach Evans for both. If I couldn't choose Zach Evans for player of the game, um, I think I would go with. Oh man, it's it's actually tough. Um, I guess this is going to sound weird, but maybe Jackson Dart. 
Um, only because uh, I, I, I he definitely didn't have the best statistical day. Like Quinshawn Judkins was up there. Um, I, I think it's tough to make a case for any of the defensive players because so many of them played so well that you know it's, there wasn't a a defining one person. Um, but I think that Jackson Dart. <laughs> I was criticizing him in the first half. Um, I think that he went a long way in showing what his potential is, even if he didn't like fully tap into it. Um, you know, there were two to three plays that he made uh, through the air where it was just like, oh, this guy is a really capable quarterback if we can get him to, you know, make the right choices. Um, like there were two touch passes that were gorgeous that dropped right past defenders into you know the bucket of the receiver um and he ran i mean he had that he had the one scramble that was awesome where he trucked the guy at the end to try to pick up the first down uh but he he moved pretty well overall um and i think this was his opportunity to make the quarterback position his own and he didn't do anything to not do that absolutely yeah i mean I think he had a really productive day running. Um, aside from the the one run you mentioned where he trucked a guy, um, he had a very long, like third down conversion with it looked like a called run. Either that, or he just almost immediately tucked it when he saw the space. Um, and and yeah, seems to make decent decisions on when to when and how to run, um, which is really important. I mean for for making a you know a defense play honest um i think he's he's pretty good at that and and like you said has started making some highlight throws um we just need him to you know bump up the percentages a little bit but yeah i mean i think you're right that was i was tempted to name him the player of the game just because he stepped up you know put some you know concerns aside yeah, exactly. Okay, um, so talking Tulsa uh, relatively quickly, um, I, I have gotten a chance to watch them a little bit. Uh, I watched highlights of their first uh, couple of games, but I haven't like done a super deep dive yet. Um, but they are going to pass a lot. They have 119, I'm sorry, 125 passing attempts this season to 105 rushing attempts. Uh, and that is not in, like, sometimes a, a team will pass a lot just because they're down a lot and they were trying to come back. That's that's actually not the case with Tulsa. So they're two and one. Their one loss is to Wyoming. It was 40 to 37. Uh, but they've beaten Northern Illinois and Jacksonville State. They squeaked by Northern Illinois and demolished Jacksonville State, uh, which should kind of tell you why I don't think it's going to be much of a game. But um, they pass a lot. And Ole Miss hasn't really faced a team that is capable uh, of, of doing much in the passing game. Now, luckily, I, I actually think that that's maybe where the strength of the defense is and hasn't really... The, that strength hasn't really had the opportunity to flex its muscle as much uh, so far this season because they haven't faced great quarterbacks. Um, but Tulsa Davis Brin, 
uh, has 1,200 passing yards through the first three games. So that's, you know, quite high. Uh, and 11 touchdowns to only one pick. But the Ole Miss secondary is vastly different than anything he's he's seen so far. Uh, and that and then they're on the ground. They really struggle. They're averaging 3.3 yards per carry against those three teams. Um, I think that they will struggle to move the ball. I mean, they may have some big plays because they do have the, that passing um, offense that's you know pretty good, but it's going to be tough for them to find difficult, you know, tough yards when they, when they need them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think their success on offense will be largely predicated on how focused the Ole Miss defense is. Cause if they come with the same kind of effort they did against Georgia tech and like the, the kind of like four quarter focus, then Tulsa's not going to do too much. Yeah. And then also, you know, defensively, they gave up 40 to Wyoming. So that that's a that's a thing. Yeah, probably uh, probably will run the ball a lot and well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will say, like, at least statistically against those teams, their rushing defense has been pretty solid, holding all three of them under four yards per carry. Uh, the, the passing game is is where they're kind of beaten pretty badly uh, at times but you know the Wyoming running game is very different than the Ole Miss running game so it'll be kind of fun to watch how that goes um, yeah uh, th- we'll close with this uh, at the end of the the last episode we I asked you if your season expectation has changed uh, and I know it's only been a week but I didn't know if you had any changes of heart or you know something else you saw this week from other teams or something like that that kind of led you to a different point? Uh, no, I think I think I'm still at nine games tempted to pick ten again. I don't know, man. Uh, okay. So you were you were at nine last week, tempted to go eight. So nine uh, tempted to go ten puts you in a, a slightly different position. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I'm feeling a little better about the Kentucky game. Um, I, I think that was the the one that I had sort of switched in my head after our first two games. I switched that from a win to a loss, but feeling better and better about that. And Arkansas even showed a little bit of weakness in nearly going ahead and losing to Missouri State. I know they have uh, Bobby Petrino as their coach, but they are still Missouri State. Yeah, that was a weird game. Uh, they led until the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, like midway through the fourth quarter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So didn't see that game. I don't know how Arkansas pulled that out or how they got in that mess to begin with, but it certainly makes you wonder. Um, and then, I don't know, Auburn looks very bad. Um LSU and State had kind of a pillow fight kind of game that, that mm. didn't leave me worried about either team. Um AM played better against Miami than they did against App State, but I think Miami played a pretty poor game. Um, I mean, AM's only hope is to just be so good defensively that they hold a team to fewer than 20 points, and, uh, you know, their offense is able to somehow put together a few drives or something to make it 
it work because their offense is super boring and not in like a good way. I mean, there are times that, you know, Alabama in years past will have a boring offense, but it's boring because they just like can run for seven yards whenever they want to. Uh, A&M is boring because they like don't understand the way that, you know, modern offenses work, but that's fine. I'm happy with that. They can keep Jimbo Fisher forever. Wow. Uh, okay. So that, that is the end of the podcast. Um, oh, I didn't say, uh, so for me, I think that I was solidly in the eight and four camp after last week, I am back pretty solidly in the nine and three camp. Um, I'm a little bit closer to eight and four than I am to 10 and two though. So, um, not necessarily like specific teams. I just think that, uh, you know, Jackson Dart has to show it a little bit more before I start to get too hyped about things. Yeah, that is that is a very real possibility that they'll have a couple of, you know, Jackson Dart three interception kind of games uh, where we lose a game we shouldn't. But yeah. yeah. OK, thanks, everybody. We'll be back again probably next week, uh, if not before then. And uh, yeah. Talk to you then about Tulsa Golden Hurricane.